Hey, I'm sex, love, and relationship therapist, Dr. Laura Berman. And for the last 30 years, I've been helping people just like you learn to love and be loved better. Welcome to the Language of Love Bites, where I tackle your most asked questions and requested topics. These episodes are designed to be fun, quick, and to the point. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. So I got a secret for you. Monogamy is not only not easy, it's not really natural. What we now know, and evolutionary psychiatrists and and anthropologists have been saying this for a while now, is that we actually evolved as humans to be what's called serially monogamous. There was something called the sex contract. That's what the anthropologist Helen Fisher calls it. Where basically, if we're talking about heterosexual relationships, and there's always, since the beginning of time, been at least 10% of the population, if not more, who are not heterosexual. But for those who experience themselves and identify as heterosexual, when we were cave people, right, and just starting to walk upright, what happened is that for women and men, our pelvises had to narrow in order to go from all fours to upright walking, right? And now we're walking around the planet. But for women, we gestated for a much shorter time when we were pregnant, okay? So we started to have our babies after nine months so they could fit through the birth canal once our hips had narrowed. And because we started having babies much sooner, they were much more dependent, Unlike apes, you know, we couldn't just throw them on our back and they could hold on and we could go about our business, right? We had to carry them. We had to hold their heads up. We had to really nurture them. So ancient cave women, when they had a, first of all, being pregnant at all, it's not like there were hospitals around or C-sections. It was extremely dangerous. And most women didn't survive childbirth. And if they did survive it, they were very, very vulnerable, at least for the first couple of years, because they couldn't necessarily survive on their own. So the women who were the gatherers in the hunter-gatherer society, a big part of their role was gathering the nuts and berries that were key to the tribe's sustenance, forming those social connections that were key to their survival. And when she had an infant, she had to carry around her infant as she was doing that and was much more vulnerable. So the sex contract evolved that she would find the man, the best hunter in the tribe that she could get, who was going to bring home the biggest piece of meat. And they would make this kind of, I'm not saying they wrote this out as a contract. Maybe they did carve it out. I don't know. But they would make this contract with each other, this agreement where she would basically say to him, I'm going to have your baby you can be guaranteed that I'm not having sex with anyone else. So this baby is definitely your genes being passed on to future generations, okay? And so she would be monogamous with him so that he would know that no one else was the father because in exchange, right, he was being monogamous with her in terms of the resources. He wasn't going to be hunting for anyone else. He wasn't going to be protecting anyone else. And that arrangement would last anywhere between two to three years until the baby was able to go on her back and was she could go back to her regular life and she was done breastfeeding. Then they would part 
and go on to eventually form new pair bonds, right? And that was the sex contract. I will only have sex with you in exchange for you only giving your resources to me. And it was serial monogamy. And the irony, the really fascinating part is when Helen Fisher looked at the data, at divorce data around the world, not just in America, around the world, the highest divorce rate is when the youngest child reaches around two or three years old and is more self-sufficient, is done breastfeeding and can at least metaphorically hop on its mama's back, right? And she's much, she's able to go about her business more and isn't, doesn't have a dependent infant at home. So it's kind of fascinating that our monogamous relationships do start to go into risk. And many believe that's what the seven-year itch is really about because by seven years, most couples have had at least one, if not several children where the youngest has reached that age where they're much more self-sufficient. Hey, it's Dr. Laura Berman. I've been a sex, love, and relationship therapist for over 30 years. And the main question I always get asked is, how the heck do we spice it up in a long-term monogamous relationship? Well, if you want to take your love life, your sex life to the next level, whether you're in a relationship or not, check out my free course on quantum sex. It's going to teach you how to take your sexual response to the next level capable of full body orgasms, how to use sex magic to manifest your dreams, and how to connect on an even deeper level sexually with your partner. Just go to DrLauraBerman.com and you'll find it right there on the homepage, the quantum sex free course. Check it out. Let me know what you think. So monogamy for life was actually developed during the farming, when we started farming, because when we started farming, people stayed put. We weren't migrating tribes anymore. People started to stay put on their land, and they needed to commit to that land, and they needed to have children that were going to help on that land. So it became these nuclear families that would were working the land and running the farm. It was also a religious institution that started around the same time, monogamy for life. And back then, when monogamy for life was first created, life typically didn't last more than 50 years. You know, Today, the average lifespan is actually around 100 years. But back then, if you were a 50, it was the equivalent of 95 today. You were a real old timer and not likely to live much longer. So monogamy for life wasn't that long of a time. Today, monogamy for life is a really long time, first of all. Second of all, we still have that DNA instinct, that evolutionary instinct for serial monogamy. And yet we're working against that instinct. Now, I'm saying all this to you as a tried and true monogamist who has been monogamous with my husband for 20 plus years. I love monogamy. But it's also to highlight the fact that it doesn't come naturally. And so often we think that it's just about getting married and then we live happily ever after. Well, that's when the work begins. Now, I'm not saying that your entire relationship should be hellish work 
But I am saying that if you want monogamy for life, it takes commitment. It takes work and it takes constantly reevaluating, rehashing and renegotiating your relationship because both of you are growing and changing and your needs are growing and changing in terms of your relationship and in terms of your sexual needs. So monogamy for life is absolutely doable and in my opinion, a beautiful thing and a beautiful goal, but it does not come naturally to us. So it does require commitment and work. If you want more information on this or anything else, I'm always here for you, helping you learn to love and be loved better. 